Move Forward Radio is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at MoveForwardPT.com. You're listening to Move Forward Radio, a podcast featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts with advice on how you can move forward. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Eric Reese. Laura Shung, a physically active seller of legal software in the Washington, D.C. area, was in the middle of a handball game in 2010 when suddenly her left foot stopped functioning normally. Just like that, she had to walk on the outside of the foot just to get around. And the condition wasn't temporary. It remained day after perplexing day. Counterintuitively, Shung's foot didn't bother her when she engaged in sports activities, just primarily when she walked, especially on flat surfaces. But life involves a lot of walking, so shrugging off the condition hardly was an option. What followed for Shung was a years-long odyssey through the healthcare system, searching for answers. She burned through a succession of specialists along the way, including orthopedists, a podiatrist, and a neurologist, before landing with a physical therapist who finally came up with what turned out to be the correct theory on what was ailing her. That wasn't completely good news for reasons that Shung and that PT, John Jowers, will explain momentarily, but it was an answer and a starting point for everything that followed in Shung's life. The ordeal inspired a career change, as well as a segment of the Washington Post's Medical Mysteries series on hard-to-diagnose conditions. But that's enough backstory. Let's let Shung and Jowers take it from there. So, Laura, your your story recently was uh, featured in uh, the Washington Post Medical Mysteries series. That The headline was, One Day a Serious Athlete Couldn't Walk Straight, Doctors Were Stumped. So can you take us back to the very beginning, sort of uh, when was this, how old were you at the time, what kind of physical shape were you in, and, and, and what was happening that told you something was wrong with your body? Uh, well, it was seven years ago. I was uh, 47 years old, and I was playing handball, in, uh, indoor handball in an indoor court, and um, I was in you know, pretty good shape. I played handball three or four times a week. I ran um, on the treadmill and outside. I played volleyball, competitive volleyball, for 10-plus um, years. Um, and then I had been a, a D1 college athlete um, through gymnastics, of course. You, you stop that after you uh, graduate. I didn't continue on with that. But there was something athletic in my life, plus just regularly going to the gym to uh, try and stay healthy and strong. Um, so I was playing handball, and the point ended, and I walked over to pick up the ball and I started walking on the outside of my left foot, and just out of the blue, uh, there was no injury. I didn't roll my ankle. I didn't, you know, bang it, or, or there was no trauma to it in in any way, shape, or form. I just started walking funny, and um, the people I was playing with, yeah, you know, just looked at me and said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I don't know. I, it just, it just started." And uh, so I continued to play, and it was fine when I was moving sideways and forward, and nothing. Um, was weak in my ankle while I was playing, and I continued to play, but every time the play stopped, I continued to walk on the side of my foot. So I, I went home, and I figured out, well, this will I'll wake up, and it'll be gone, and it wasn't gone. It just continued. So um, I already was seeing an orthopedic surgeon uh, from time to time about my knees. I had uh, 
um, on both knees, I had really bad osteoarthritis. Um, you basically, I could fit my fist through my knees. I was so bow-legged, and it was just from years of jumping on them, running on them, and I had kind of worn them down. It was bone on bone, so I had gone to an orthopedic surgeon for my knees and um, had some shots, and nothing really was, was working um, for that. So it was just kind of day-to-day you know, -day pain uh, going up and down stairs. But, you know, you still kept going and tried to keep them as strong as possible while, you know, just to kind of keep the pressure off the joint itself. So I went to the same orthopedic group that uh, I went to for my knees and went to the orthopedic surgeon that specializes in, you know, for the foot and ankle. And uh, he really didn't find anything different. He, you know, measured the strength, noted that the strength was equal to my right foot, um, and watched me walk. And the only thing he could think of was there must be some imbalance uh, somewhere else in, in muscle, muscular strength or an imbalance somewhere. So he recommended PT. So I went to their PT group for just about six months, and I did all the exercises. The PT that was the director of this um, uh, PT clinic that I went uh, was one that the doctor recommended, and all the kind of difficult cases went to him. He was very creative. And he tried everything. Uh, we did a lot of exercises. He did manual work on me. Um, and just tried to work on my ankle with his hands, and uh, we tried athletic tape. We tried um, a lot of different things, and uh, and and honestly, some of it helped for a few minutes. <laughs> the manual was the best, and after he kind of worked on my ankle a little bit, I got up and walked, and it was quite a relief that I was actually, you know, walking somewhat normally. But five minutes after I left the office, I was back to rolling onto the outside of my, my foot. Having a physical therapist accompany you on your daily rounds was not a, a workable solution. Um, <laughs> to continually work on my ankle? No. Yeah, exactly, was, right. No, I was in uh, sales at that point in time. I was selling uh, legal um, software. Uh, so, no, I was out and about and moving around. Uh, but six months, I went literally three times a week, if not more. If they had an opening, I would jump in there again. So, I mean, I was there really regularly. It wasn't like once a week. I was there, you know, at least three times a week um, for a good six-month period. Um, I had a very flexible schedule, so I, I was able to, um, you know, make those appointments. And I was doing the exercises at home, so uh, it wasn't a, a half-hearted effort. So um, after that, I was just like, there's something. This is not, this is, I mean, I knew it wasn't normal because I've hurt my body my whole life. I, I knew that you know, this was, it wasn't a regular muscle issue or, or a, you know, musculoskeletal issue. So um, I went to a couple of neurologists. The PT recommended that I, you know, go see something to make sure there's no nerve damage. So I went to, you know, a neurologist, had an EMG, the test that they do to make sure there's nerve conduction all the way down through your leg and ankle and foot and toes, and, and everything was fine. Everything came back. I, I had the, you know, the nerve function all the way down. Uh, there was just nobody could figure out a real reason for it. So I started going to other doctors, and you know how it is, when, you know, oh, you have a friend and said, oh, I have a pain management doctor. He's great. I have this doctor. So I went to a gait specialist, a pain management. I went to another neurologist, and um, uh, it was the neurologist that worked with John, and um, he just, he looked at me and literally threw his hands up and said, you're everything my patients aren't. My patients can walk somewhat well, but they have trouble doing anything athletic. 
You, however, can do everything athletic, <laughs> and you can't walk straight. Um, so he, you know, that was it. He just said, so um, why don't you go out and talk to John? He's a PT out there, and he handles all my difficult cases as well. So I walked out and introduced myself to John, and uh, he sat down and, and listened to my story and listened to what I could do, what I couldn't do, and... Um, you know, he can he can take it from there. Yeah, yeah, John. So, so when Laura first came in, what what sorts of things did you look at, and, and what were your first thoughts about her situation? My first thought off the bat is that I'm seeing another runner, and I'm going to do a, a gait evaluation as I usually do. It's one of my specialties. I was thinking off the bat as I normally do. You know, well, think outside the box in the first place, but that it's typically going to be an orthopedic issue, and so that's what I thought at first, but. I had her, as I usually do, on the treadmill, walking and analyzing in slow motion video recording what's going on. And and after taking it all in, hearing her history, everything that you just heard her describe, and uh, seeing her foot turn in where the way it was, I, I started thinking in the back of my head that this isn't orthopedic, especially with the amount of strength and coordination that she has. And I, I started thinking... Dis- runner's dystonia. Now, what what is runner's dystonia, and and how familiar with, were you with that condition? If it's if it's relatively rare. Well, dystonia is a odd, almost wear and tear type of neurological. You think of the word wear and tear as an, as a musculoskeletal issue. This is a like almost a wear and tear type of neurological disorder where the pathway that the transmission of nerve conduction through the brain takes. Just the act of telling your arm to reach forward to grab a pencil off the desk takes a whole maze of pathways through the brain. Mm -hmm. Dystonia is an odd, uh, almost reconfiguration of your brain where it's kind of saying, for lack of a better phrase, I'm tired of this pathway, I'm going to take another pathway. And even though you're telling your arm to reach forward, it ends up deviating slightly off to the side because it's now taken the pathway of deviation, you know, slightly slightly right, slightly left. It's it, it can be a very odd combination of movements. Does anybody know why that happens? In various ways, and, and Laura, you can chime in on, on this if you'd like to at all. I, I know and from what I know, it it can it can be linked to certain I'd say can be linked to certain brain trauma, but in a lot of cases, it's just idiopathic, meaning of no known origin. Nothing that was done before. One one key factor, I would say, is that it does happen a lot in people that have been very uh, consistent. They're, they're pros at what they do. They've been doing it for a long time. Uh, in the case of a runner's dystonia, they've been running for a rather long time. In the case of a musician's dystonia, they've been playing violin or piano for many, many years, many decades. But then there are always these interesting cases of people that have only been doing it for one year or even less, and they still get dystonia uh, presentations. It's interesting. So even there, there are are, are outliers. Oh, definitely. But for the most part, you find it in people that have been doing it for a long time, uh, which is why the cause may be that it's almost, as I said, wear and tear, because the brain is just kind of getting tired of using that same pathway. A quick break to tell you about Find a PT the American Physical Therapy Association's national database of physical therapists. PTs are movement experts who treat people of all ages and abilities. 
helping them to improve and maintain function and quality of life. Don't wait until you have an injury to see a PT. Contact one today and learn how you can improve your fitness and prevent health problems before they start. You can contact a physical therapist near you, no physician referral required, by going to moveforwardpt.com. And now, back to this episode of Move Forward Radio. So, so at this point, you pretty well figured out what it is. So, so where do you go from there? After evaluating Laura, I suggested to her that she see a neurologist. I, I threw the idea of a runner's dystonia out there. Uh, I wrote, wrote it up with these <laughs> freeze frames of her foot from these videos that we took and an evaluation and, and agreed that this might be neurologic. You've already done everything under the sun that you could do in terms of orthopedic treatments. And we know that in a dystonia, you're going to want to treat it as if it's a dopamine level issue. You treat it like almost a Parkinson's like type of presentation. See if getting levodopa from a neurologist might help. And then if it does help, you know it's dystonia. It's diagnostic and therapeutic. So I asked her to, to see a neurologist. Uh, and Laura, then did, did you do that? Yes, I saw uh, the neurologist that uh, John actually recommended, and um, it wasn't his specialty, if I'm if I'm correct. Um, and at the, right. the exact same time, my cousin who uh, was ran the marketing uh, group for the uh, hospital consortium up in New York got the diagnosis that I said, and she recognized the name from one of their doctors uh, that worked in in New York City. And uh, there were, I think, four or five doctors that actually specialized in dystonia slash gait disorder. Um, and uh, so I went and saw her, and she said, okay, walk forward. And she watched me walk forward. And then she said, okay, now walk backwards. And so I walked backwards, and, and I guess I never really realized it, but walking backwards, I walked completely normal. And because walking said, backwards isn't something you normally, you normally exactly. do. Exactly. I wasn't tired of doing that yet. <laughs> so apparently, um, so she said, oh, you have dystonia. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I, I guess I have, I have something. <laughs> you know, it's not just, I'm not just, uh, you know, crazy or just, I don't know, whatever. Um, so I, I said, so what do you do? How do you fix it? And she said, well, you don't really. You, you, there's, it's. There isn't a cure as of yet, and she explained, as, as John had mentioned, the, the link to Parkinson's in how um, dopamine can affect the same part of the brain, the basal ganglia, that is affected with Parkinson's. So she said that's what I would recommend. She said there's another uh, treatment called, you know, that you can inject Botox, um, but she said I would try the, the L-Dopa first and see if that works. So I went back to D.C., and the doctor that I had seen earlier had already prescribed me L-DOPA, not knowing that much about dystonia. He had started the L-DOPA, and so we just continued with it, and uh, I'm still taking it right now. However, I have a sinking feeling that it's just it's not as effective anymore to me. So I'm either um, getting used to it, accommodating it, um, or... Uh, maybe I need a larger dose, so um, not really sure to, where to go from here. So, so how is this uh, condition kind of affecting your your daily life now? And and John, what is your involvement, if if any, with with Laura at this point? Um, my my daily life is uh, well, as I walk to work, I try not to walk on the sidewalks. I walk on the grass hmm. uh, because it's an uneven surface, and it, uh, as John had mentioned, disrupts the normal pattern because. 
it's rocky and it's uneven terrain and so my ankle and foot get to relax a little bit. Um it doesn't completely, you know, eliminate the the flipping is what I call my ankle as it as it um gets to the end of the the gait phase, but um it it, it relaxes it. Uh walking in a mall and walking on a concrete floor and a sidewalk just gets very tiring because my ankle is constantly trying to straighten itself out. Um, but if I walk on the grass, so I walk on the grass, and when I do spin class, I don't stand up and, and um, pedal. I stand up but lean forward, put my hips back, and dig my heels in. So I'm coming in at a at a 45-degree angle with the pedal, not standing straight up. You know, just just mm-hmm. weird things like that, um, mm-hmm. and that's and that's it. And from my perspective, it isn't a matter of seeing me. I literally only saw her for one other follow-up visit after mm-hmm. that, and that was it. It's not like really nothing else on my part. It was kind of just make sure a neurologist can rule in or out dystonia, and then you take it from there and ma- managing it exactly the way that she was describing it, just activity modification, lifestyle modification. Um, the the gait that she's talking about is like when she's walking forward, more specifically in gait terminology in the swing phase her foot deviates or uh plantar flexion uh and and so it's just barely enough that uh correct me if i'm wrong laura that it it catches on her her right calf if she's walking fast enough and isn't careful and i don't i don't know but tell me has it been in the past that it was bad enough that it ever made you trip um i don't trip as much as i I slide like if I'm wearing flip flops, my foot will will slide out of the flip flop, mm-hmm. and it's almost it almost actually starts at the toe off phase. It, you can you can see it start as the toes coming off, and then it, you definitely see it as on the swing throw. But um, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll slide or you know, I rolled my ankle one time, and I think at this point in time the ligaments are so lax that <laughs> I probably you know I, maybe I could have broken my ankle, but I didn't. I just went you know right down and. There's there's no issue and I pop back up, but no, I I very rarely trip and I and I don't trip or roll my ankle when I'm doing anything athletic. A quick break to tell you about Choose PT, the American Physical Therapy Association's national public awareness campaign. America is currently in the grips of an opioid epidemic. In some situations, dosed appropriately, prescription opioids are an appropriate part of medical treatment. But opioids only mask the sensation of pain. And opioid risks include depression, overdose, addiction, and withdrawal. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is urging healthcare providers to reduce the use of opioids in favor of safer alternatives like physical therapy for treating pain. Learn how a physical therapist can help you at moveforwardpt.com slash choose PT. And now, back to this episode of Move Forward Radio. Uh, Laura, it, it 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 seems like um you're you're doing your best to, you know, be philosophical about this as philosophical as you can be, but it it must be disheartening to you. I mean, you were a very physically active person before you started experiencing this. I'm I'm still very physically active. I still play handball 3 times a week. I still go to the gym almost every day. Um I can play volleyball. I can I can play tennis. I can ski. I've been skiing last month, so I can do anything that's not repetitive walking forward um mm. christmas shopping is miserable for me walking in the mall <laughs> so i stay out of malls but other than that yeah i can't walk around the neighborhood anymore without it being uncomfortable so i miss that part of it um and philosophical is there's just not much 
not much you can do. So right. and researching dystonia, what I have is not that bad, you know, with uh, mm-hmm. some of the things that I've seen that other people have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. So now, now it, it, it's interesting though. Your your experience uh, inspired a career change. Can you can you talk some some about that? Well, I had been in sales for 28 years, um, you know, legal sales, and I was already thinking it's time for a change. The kids were out of school. Um, I had my office in my house. It was. You know, it was it was a great it was a great job and a great career um, for that time of my life. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, oh, it's time to do something different. And honestly, the the puzzle of um, you know of what John did, just trying to figure out what went wrong with me, and was was kind of inspiring. You know, he was really the only one that that said, I'm going to figure this out. I'm gonna I'm gonna research it and I'm gonna see what it is. And nobody had ever done that, and I. It was just. It was a. It was neat that um, learning that much about the body and, and trying to figure out how it all works together, is. Uh, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> so, I said, well, I could do that. Well, you know, I'm kind of old to go back for a PT doctorate degree at this point. So I thought, you know, PTA, I could work with the patients on a regular basis, um, be the one that works with them day to day versus, you know, seeing them at evaluation and reevaluation. And I thought I could do that. And uh, I understand my body, um, and I've heard it. I know what it's like to come back. I since then had a double knee replacement, so I know what it's like to be in pain and be rehabbing, and um, you know, want to get back to doing what you're doing or what you used to do. So. Um, I went back to school. I went back to Montgomery College, and they have a, a great uh, physical therapist assistant program. And uh, kicked my butt. <laughs> it took me three years because I had to t- retake some science classes that they told me that they were sorry, ma'am, um, these are too old. <laughs> so I had to go back and take biology and uh, anatomy and physiology again, which um, actually turned out to be good because um, I learned how to study again, especially science. I was a business major, and. Uh, and the program is very intense and very hard. Um, most people, half the people that sign up for it, 28 of us, um, 10 of us took the exam um, and passed first time around. Mm-hmm. So, so, so how long have you been a PTA now? Uh, about a year and a half. And, and how has it been? Has it, has it been everything that you had, had hoped it would be? Yeah, it's, it's actually a lot of fun. Um, you know, you get to make immediate differences in people's lives, and you know, if you make them feel a little bit better or they can go down a step of stairs where they, you know, over one foot over the other instead of going down one step at a time, you make a big difference in people's lives. Um, And just understanding, you know, helping them understand that, you know, their pain and what they can do about it and that life isn't over. They can, you know, they can, you know, work towards a a better, fuller life with less pain. And, and yeah, it's, it's wonderful. You can really make a difference and see the difference. So, so John, you obviously you didn't uh, you know cure quote unquote Laura. You weren't in a position to be able to do that, but you you did have a, an effect uh, intersecting with her life. You had an effect on her subsequent path. How how did that make you feel? Oh my gosh, it was a, a, an amazing feeling, and I didn't even realize it for a while. Uh, I hadn't been keeping in touch with her or anything. I kept in touch by email in the immediate mm-hmm. months after referring her to someone. And and she was telling me, yeah, she's taking leave of dopa and it and it's managing it, you know, within only certain ranges. But then after that, we lost touch, and a patient was asking me about 
that article that was in the New York Times that they heard about runner's dystonia, and I said, oh, I had someone with that. And when I told them about it, they were like, that's that's amazing. You should ask her how she's doing. And so I got back in touch with Laura, <laughs> asked her how she was doing. And she told in our first phone call in, you know, a couple year, a few years, she told me about how she made this career change. And it was, it made me emotional. I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> the fact that you were inspired to want to go back and, and now she's changing lives. And I love that she's doing it in a way that's helping Vets at Walter Reed. I mm -hmm. commend her for that. I think that's so awesome of you, Laura. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a fact of duty too. So it's been. Um, oh yeah. You know, you, you got to get these people back in, not, back to their group and and uh, back to doing what they were doing. So. So not just vets, but no. or, or just active duty only. Yeah, it's both. Wow, man, that's so cool. Yeah, retirees and and, and active mm -hmm. duty. And so, so, so when, I, when I heard that from her, it just when I heard that from Laura, it it made me very excited and happy that I could just be a part of that and be a part of her story. So you know, obviously there must be many gratifications to being a physical therapist, but that's that that you know you you kind of see that progress in your patients and, and so on. But this was something you totally hadn't anticipated. Definitely, and it, and like Laura said, it's it's not like this is as bad of an issue as what we've seen in textbooks or in our own offices and clinics. You know, there are certainly people going through much more serious mm -hmm. issues, uh, but it's still very awesome hearing her turn something that was a long-lasting battle with the medical field into something very positive. Not only that, but becoming a, a member of the medical field. <laughs> exactly. That was part of the problem. <laughs> so, uh, Laura, John, uh, thank you both so much for, for visiting us, uh, with us today on uh, Move Forward Radio. Of course. You're very you're welcome. You're very welcome. Thank you for including us. Yeah, an honor being with you today. You've been listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or find previous episodes at moveforwardpt.com. Move Forward Radio is brought to you by moveforwardpt.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at moveforwardpt.com.